0: Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. This show is where Dr. Jason Deitch and myself, Jeff Langmaid, give you a front row seat to our conversations with the current influencers, future leaders, and fantastic people involved in our profession. Hey, Smart Chiropractors, welcome to the featured guest segment of the Smart Chiropractor Show. And we have a special featured guest for you today. This is somebody that I've known for quite a few years that I have found his journey fascinating. And I wanted to get to the bottom of what exactly goes on day to day with Dr. Nathan Cashin at World Spine Care. You're the communications director over there. And uh, thanks for taking a few moments and chatting with me today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to come on. It is my pleasure. So let's kick it off with, for any docs out there that aren't familiar with World Spine Care, what is it in a nutshell? Then we can dive into some of the details.
1: Yeah, well, World Spine Care is an organization that was founded by Scott Haldeman, who most people familiar with spine research are aware of. And he founded this back in 2008 uh, to address a huge gap that he noticed in the epidemiological uh, research. And so it's a nonprofit, uh, registered in three countries in the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom, which establishes clinics and underserved communities to provide conservative spine care as a first line of, uh, care for people who otherwise wouldn't have access to high quality spine care. And so currently, uh, we have established six clinics in four countries. Although unfortunately, because of COVID, a lot of those are closed, but we still do have clinics running in India, Ghana, and in Botswana. Nice. I, I I love the
0: concept, and clearly I can just only imagine how challenging the execution of that is across the world. It's it's hard to run a practice in your own town, never mind trying to do it around yeah. the world. And I can certainly appreciate the challenges that come with that. As a young doc yourself, I mentioned it at the top. You're involved as the director of communications for the organization. Trace it back, how'd you get involved initially? What are some of the steps that led to that? Cause it's a pretty unique aspect of, of chiropractic. You're the only one that does it. So I, how, how did you get there?
1: What were some of those early steps? Well, it, it in some ways it's a, a little bit of a misnomer, but we'll get to that. So I was in chiropractic school and like so many students, um, you know, there's a group of my classmates who are gonna go on a chiropractic mission trip. And previously, you know, I come from a line of, no, I wouldn't say missionaries. Um, you know, my, my grandparents were Quakers and they traveled around the world with the American Friends Service Committee. So my mom, by the time she was five, had traveled around the world three times, living in South Korea, India, Japan. Um, and my parents or my grandparents had been to, I think Kenya as well, a number of places. And, uh, and then I actually, I did myself serve a mission. I lived in Brazil for a couple of years and just have always had an interest in doing stuff in other countries. And so saw this opportunity, got on board, um, went to Haiti in the Dominican Republic for a little over a week, I think it was, and had a great experience. um, But at the end, kind of had some insights, some realizations for myself. And the first one was that you know, providing chiropractic care was great, but particularly in Haiti, it wasn't the first thing that these people needed. They needed, this was only a, a year or two after the big earthquake there. And, um, I realized, you know, they, what they needed was better hygiene, better access to clean water. And so I started looking at, okay, what are some, you know, some ways to provide that? And I'm a monthly donor to charity water now, um, because of that. And the second thing I noticed was, uh, you know, even though providing chiropractic care is a great thing. And they were very happy to receive it. And, you know, you get to adjust hundreds, if not thousands of people, depending on your own stamina. <laughs> and, um, but I, I kind of realized at the end, like, for the people with serious conditions, um, we had no way to refer them on to further care. There was just no way to continue and to follow up. And there were just a couple examples there where I needed, I felt like, people needed that and I couldn't provide it and so I started looking around and said okay what you know are there other groups that are doing something similar but that actually maintain a presence in the country so that they can have that full spectrum of care and I came across World Spine Care and I was very impressed. Um, This would have been around I want to say 2015 maybe 2014-2015 that I learned of them and, um, I, you know, I, I just kind of saw them online and thought it was great and decided I wanted to raise some funds for them. At the same time, I was running ultra marathons. And so in this weird combination, I look back and it didn't make any sense at all, but I did a 50K race. And for that, I just on campus sold some what's called trail butter, a local company here in Portland, Oregon, makes this delicious nut butter and fruit blend that was very popular for trail runners. And so I just sold those um, and used the proceeds from that to donate to World Spine Care under the auspice of running this 50 kilometer race. And I think in the end, it was a few hundred dollars, maybe 700 total, um, might be overestimating there that I donated to World Spine Care. The current, at the time, Jeff Outerbridge, um, who was the clinical director at the time, saw the donation and contacted me and we just started kind of chatting and i got involved first of all just by doing social media posts for him he was doing that on his own doing blog posts on his own and needed to be able to focus elsewhere and so that's what i did as a student for years um and then uh slowly just over the years since then just kind of added on a little bit more and more responsibility and so now yes i do social media i do the website I also do kind of behind the scenes tech stuff, so managing our Google workspace and our email and our newsletter and it's just kind of a wide variety of things to support on the back end and the title I have is Director of Communications which um i'm you know I'm not the best at PR but that's kind of part of what I do I think that story is fascinating
0: and it's a great testament to taking action we have a saying within the smart chiropractor results follow actions and you clearly took action you saw an opportunity to get involved you took action with it you sold the butter on your own you created the <laughs> the chance and opportunity to become involved and that's fantastic I know you're know, tracing it back to or probably around that time when you and I first connected you were a student and you were a content creator and I want to say one of the early in my mind uh, you know student content creators within the chiropractic space, can you talk a little bit about how, how you thought about content? How did you get started? What have you done in the past? Uh, this is a big avenue that we encourage our smart chiropractors to get involved with, it's getting their message out there, utilizing these yeah. platforms to engage with people in their communities. You started early as a student through a variety of different platforms. Trace it back for us. Well,
1: I was an early listener to podcasts, and I'm I'm talking before the the iPod um you know I learned about some podcasts particularly in the Mac technology world and started listening to them I still listen every week to Mac Break Weekly which is in uh, just hit episode 800 a few weeks ago and um I just kind of fell in love with this at the time this new medium and always wanted to do one and uh I did my first podcast in about 2011. I was very interested at the time in presentation design. I was working with a nonprofit in education, and that was part of my job was to redesign presentations. So I, I did this podcast. It's probably still out there called Brain Slides, um, where I was trying to talk about you know, what, how do you design slides that actually are based on the science we know about the brain? And, um, <clears throat> when I got into chiropractic school only a year or two after that, I just still had this desire to do a podcast. And I chose Western states because it was branded as an evidence-based school. And when I got there, there was this weird dichotomy where a lot of the students in chiropractic school were saying, why are we learning all this science stuff? I thought we were going to be chiropractors. And then in the same group of students, there was, there were these students saying, why are we learning all this philosophy stuff? I thought we were, you know, going to be doctors. And I noticed there was this strange miscommunication that happened where students didn't know what they were getting. And I knew that there were other schools that really focused heavy on the philosophy. And I was curious, what did their experience look like? Were there students there that were saying still, you know, they chose Sherman, but were like, why are we learning all this philosophy stuff? I don't know. And so I started a podcast. Um, interviewing students at other schools just to see what the experience was like and to try to give prospective students which I was for nearly 10 years from high school on and there just wasn't a good resource to learn about the schools that you might want to go to and so I was trying to provide something like that and uh, and then beyond students I just got interested in all aspects of chiropractic Right, I wanted to explore chiropractic and so I came across you with the evidence-based chiropractor and wanted to interview you. Um, and I've interviewed a number of other people, um, including Jeff Outerbridge with World Spine Care, and other volunteers with World Spine Care, people at schools in probably five or six countries: Australia, New Zealand, Spain, South Africa. And it's just been—it was really an interesting um, journey to kind of learn more about chiropractic across the world, and it, just try to put that out now. You've done such a much better job of like turning it into something consistent. Mine has become like increasingly intermittent um, just because it's hard to find the time. But but I th- yeah, I think it's still a, a great medium for people to jump into and to um, to put their voice out there, too.
0: Uh, you you did you you continue to do you did and continue to do a fantastic job when those episodes do get released uh, you do you do a great job when you were going through the process of getting involved in podcasting as an early listener that's one thing then you took again action steps there's a common theme here uh, where you started your own and beginning to expand your network what were perhaps one or two of the primary benefits that you saw as you began really getting deep into the podcast early on and as it continued to
1: grow? I have a little bit trouble kind of seeing those benefits. Um, you know, it's it certainly there have been some cases of serendipity that a lot of people talk about, right, where um, you put this thing out in the world and someone comes across it and then reaches out to do a little bit more you know, I, I would love to say that someone wanted to buy the podcast for a hundred million dollars to put on Spotify <laughs> exclusively, but that didn't happen. But I got to meet a bunch of interesting people, you know, and we've sort of stayed connected because of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I even, gosh, early on interviewed a very, at the time, very well-known anti-chiropractic blogger and podcaster, you know, and so I've tried to kind of reach in all directions um it's been a huge learning experience as well as far as like what it could become and i again um what i've seen is that the this aspect of consistency which i know you talk about a lot um it really is critical and i kick myself a lot of times for not being as consistent and and you can talk better about (laughs) How to push through this challenge of like, yeah, I want to do a podcast every week, but it's a time suck. It's people say it's free, but the, the honest truth is it's not free. Um, it can be cheap, but it's not free, especially when you always want to do something more yeah. and increase the quality. Um, and uh, you know, and it's an effort where I could be spending time earning money whether via hourly wage or via seeing patients or whatever. And so, yeah, I wish I could say more. You know, I wish I had a great story about um, this great result that came from it. But it, it certainly was a good experience. And I continue to think about it almost daily, wanting to do more episodes. And there's so much that we can talk about in chiropractic. It's that's, that's really interesting and intriguing. Well, you you have plenty of time, and I think expanding your
0: network, and as BJ once said, <laughs> yeah, you never know how far-reaching something you know you yeah. you do will, will expand tomorrow. And and the beauty of podcast, in some ways, is that they can live forever and continue to impact people far beyond what you recognize or far beyond what you hear back on a daily basis. One thing I want to ask you yeah, about: I will
1: mention I will mention just one interesting story where that. Happens where you get feedback much later on that it's valuable. And I went to a local chiropractor. I moved back to Oregon City two years ago and wanted to find a local chiropractor. He also was doing these community based internships. So it was a student who was in his final term and practicing in this clinic. And, you know, I come in, I didn't know who the guy was. And he was kind of treating me and he kind of looked at me and said, you know, are you are you that guy that has that podcast i was like yeah you mean exploring chiropractic and he said yeah that was really helpful for me when i was choosing the school and i was like oh now you tell me (laughs) so you're right bj's words um are true i just wish there was a mechanism to hear that (laughs) sooner so you get that feedback when it when it really counts,
0: uh, I, I I feel yeah. Sometimes I, I talk to people and it's, I stare at this little you know piece of glass on my desktop and it's, you know, talking to my microphone and ninety nine percent of that time I do that you know by myself or or with Jason involved with the smart chiropractor and it's not until I get you know you get beyond the four walls of your house or wherever it might be that you start to say oh there is something getting out there right? <laughs> and, and and sometimes that can right. be you know challenging but that's a great testament to the fact of. Putting that content out there, taking the action is the first step. One thing I want to ask you about is I have camera envy going on. If anybody's listening to this uh, via podcast form, they're not going to be able, I'm going to encourage you to head over to the YouTube channel and check out the video because normally I'm showing up with the, with the most crisp video. You have me out done today, your camera, your video, everything's looking fantastic, I'd love to know your thoughts on the transition because there's a transition between audio as you are recording podcasts and then getting involved in showcasing yourself being on video. Uh, The gear looks great. I know sometimes the uh, mental aspects of that, I'll speak for myself, it's different. It was a little challenging. And many docs out there want to be more involved on social platforms, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, whatever it might be, But there's some fear, there's apprehension. There is, I don't have the right gear. Maybe I need to wait. There's a bunch of excuses is ultimately what many of them add up to. But I'd love to know your thoughts on, as you expanded, I'd say more than transitioned, but expanded from audio only more to the video space, What was perhaps an item or two that you learned along the way? And what would you recommend or say to a doc out there who would love to record some video, but just hasn't gotten over the hump of pressing the record button yet?
1: Yeah, um, I guess two general things. One is um, if you are hesitant, practice in secret. (laughs) I'll talk about that. And then the second one is that you have the gear that you need already. Um And so by practicing the secret, I mean, so I have this idea for a new podcast that I was testing. And again, I don't have time for my initial one. I don't know why I thought I would have time for a second one. Um, But I wanted to do sort of what you're doing, this live weekly episode. And to test that, I joined Twitch. And I don't know anything about video game streaming. I'm not interested in that. But it was a platform that you can broadcast live. And I did like, I don't know, eight practice episodes of this thing just by myself speaking into the ether of the internet and you know by the end of that I'm like okay this has legs this could really happen Um, and I got much more comfortable talking into this this camera above my screen right rather than talking um, down at my keyboard or something like that so um, and I you know I've done similar things with podcasting I started podcasting when I was in university um i worked in this computer lab and i would just stay after hours and just record these fake podcasts by myself and you know they're really bad at first but you get the practice by doing that and then by this idea that you have the gear that you need i mean obviously if you have a smartphone the newest iphones are incredible they would probably rival uh this setup that i have here um but what i'm doing right now is i you know Got married for our honeymoon. We decided to buy uh, uh, not a DSLR, but a Micro Four Thirds, similar, interchangeable lenses. And, you know, so got a bunch of good photos. And then that thing's been sitting around and I realized there's got to be a way to connect that. And sure enough, five dollars, I got a HDMI to USB connector plugged in, you know, this thousand dollar Micro Four Thirds digital camera. And it it's like a studio, you know, above my computer. And it was just laying around. And again, but even if you just have an iPhone or a smartphone, there's software that's either free or a few bucks that will let you use that camera as a webcam um, complete with, you know, the blurred background and everything. And, um, you know, and then you start playing with the lights. And that's when it gets expensive. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, you've got, I think you have an aperture or something like that, right? Yeah, that's right. The nice, very nice lights. But, you know, even for a couple hundred bucks, Um, I've got a good lighting kit that works well. So start small and practice in secret if you need to, but start putting stuff out there.
0: I love those bits of advice, Nathan. Number one, I want to repeat them for impact for everybody watching and listening. Number one, it takes a little bit of practice. You got to get your reps in. I use the example that your 500th adjustment probably was a little better than your first, but you just pushed through. It's a skill like anything else. And as you testified too, It's really getting those reps in and not being too self-critical. It's going to take a little time and everybody thinks they sound and look weird when they first get started. The most important thing is to continue to push through as is most things in life. And the second portion of that is don't let a lack of gear hold you back. You can geek out and you you and I have geeked out certainly on plenty of of gear throughout time and you can get into an infinite rabbit hole. There are whole sectors of the economy dedicated towards camera gear, film gear, recording gear, you name it. keep spending and buying as much as you want but as you said for most of us we have in our pockets or on our desk right now everything that we need to get started nathan you are just i i love chatting with you i love connecting and reconnecting and i really thank you for coming on with us today exploring some about world spine care and also talking about content those are two interesting avenues I've loved watching you build, grow, and expand as time has gone on. And for docs that want to learn more, either about you or World Spine Care, I'll let you choose. Where would you direct them? Where can they check things out?
1: Yeah, they can find more about me and my increasingly intermittent podcast and occasional YouTube video at exploringchiropractic.com and World Spine Care at worldspinecare.org. And, you know, we have plenty of opportunities for clinicians to get involved in numerous ways, whether that is going to the Dominican Republic or Botswana, um, or from home and you can volunteer like I do from home. Um, you can help create content for world spine care or otherwise, you know, raise funds and, and different things like that. So worldspinecare.org.
0: Right on. We will drop those links. Thank you for sharing with us today. And, uh, we'll talk with you very soon. Thank you for listening to interviews by The Smart Chiropractor. Join us again next week for another episode and leave us a review when you have a moment. This episode has been brought to you by The Smart Chiropractor. The Smart Chiropractor can deliver more new patients, better retention, and more consistent reactivations to your practice without spending any money on paid advertising. Learn more and get started today at thesmartchiropractor.com.